This is Series 3, Episode 5 of Encounter Points. Well, Bill, how are you this fine evening? Oh, very fine. Good to be back with you, Ken. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, yeah. You know, this season we've been chatting all about uh, communication. The title of this series is Love Always Communicates. And to this point, we've had some really good conversations about um, about journalism, about fake news. We've mm-hmm. talked about uh, we've talked about the church's teaching on on social communications uh, right. from the Second Vatican Council. We've uh, explored World Communications Days. We've explored uh, even the the most recent message for World Communication Day from uh, Pope Francis for the 54th World Communications Day, which is uh, uh, coming up here uh, at Pentecost of exactly. 2020. Right. But one of the things that uh, that we wanted to also chat about is this idea that not all forms of communication are purely verbal or are journalistic or are 280 characters on Twitter or right. whatever it may be, but there is this wonderful world uh, of communication that expresses a truth from one heart to another uh, that is found in art and yeah. in beauty. In beauty, yes. And so um, so we thought we need to spend a little time talking about this as well, and of course, uh, you know since we're really exploring what the church has to say about these things, um, my mind went immediately to Pope John Paul II's 1999 letter to artists, which uh, I've had the the pleasure of reading a couple times, both in the context of some radio work that I've done uh, on on the Living Stones radio program. And and I think we we may have made reference to it in in a previous uh, season of Encounter Points, previous series. I know we talked about beauty and art in series one, right? Uh, uh, as well, uh, as well as in two, an in incarnational piety. Right. We talked about it then too. So, but here we're really going to focus on how does art and how is the pursuit of beauty a form of communication? And what then are the, uh, how does the church encourage artists and encourage seekers of beauty? Uh, what are some, some, uh, warnings, you know, all of these sorts of things. So what does the church have to say about this? Yeah. And it is very appropriate to go back to John Paul for, uh, a slice of that, uh, a church wisdom. Uh, while I, uh, uh, you know, love uh, Pope Francis's uh, ability to be a uh, wordsmith and to issue great sound bites in recent World Communications Day messages about some of those forms of communication, you mentioned uh, uh, John Paul II was a, a mystic who loved mm-hmm. to climb. Mountains and go hiking and do all sorts of things. Climb every mountain. He climbed every, every stream. In fact, yeah, I think they wrote a song about him. About <laughs> <Right>. it. Yeah, <laughs> and so it it uh, it's perfect that he would have these great insights into beauty uh, on a more 
panoramic scale that doesn't fit the outlines of a piece of paper and uh, – uh, type fonts and sound bites. Although, interestingly enough, uh-huh. he had those bona fides as well because he had been a playwright, Indeed. an actor, You're a- right. and a poet, yes. right? I mean, there's what there's the great poetry of John Paul II as well. And yes. so, um, so, yeah, he's writing to really to his fellow artists, though he doesn't use that phrase yeah. in this letter. Yeah. He really is writing uh, from the um, perspective of also a practitioner. Of art, yes, yeah, that's a very good point to remember. And I don't know that I would have even thought about you. You know, I'm glad you pointed out. You know, uh, his hiking and and uh, you know, there are images of him, you know, camping and canoeing and things like that. Yeah. Really appreciating the beauty of creation, yes. as well, because that's ultimately what this gets at is beauty. And he makes the point here that beauty and goodness are intertwined. Um, yes. And and he yes. begins with this quote from the book of Genesis. Uh-huh. He says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Yes. Genesis 1 verse 31. And so this is the, the kicking off point. And he says that um, that artists themselves are captivated here in, in the very first paragraph – um, captivated by the hidden power of sounds and words, colors and shapes, you have admired the work of your inspiration, sensing in it some echo of the mystery of creation with which God, the sole creator of all things, has wished in some way to associate you. Mm. So here he's beginning and laying the groundwork for the point that God is the creator. Right. We as created beings don't create out of nothing, but we start with what God has already created. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and he makes the distinction between uh, the uh, creators who can do that and the craftspeople yes. who can work with the created matter. Exactly right. Yeah, he uses a little uh, Polish philology here, ah. uh, drawing, and he says that uh, this in Polish there's this lexical link between the words stavorka and Tvorka. Stvorka is creator and Tvorka is craftsman. So yeah. he says, look, they're already even in our language the way that we, the way we do this. He yeah. says, what is the difference between creator and craftsman? Well, the one who creates bestows being itself. He brings something out of nothing. So it's the right. idea of creation ex nihilo, as we say. That's what God does. God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. Yeah. Um, the craftsman, by contrast, uses something that already exists to which he gives form and meaning. This is the mode of operation peculiar to man as made in the image of God. Yes. So, so that's yeah. the, the distinction there. Um, but the reality is, he says, but we... Also, as artists, and I, I, I shouldn't say we, I'm not an artist. Artists, um, do participate in this, well, what Tolkien referred to as sub-creation. Hmm. Tolkien, who, you know, who developed and gave us the Lord of the Rings and the entire world of Middle Earth, he expressly denied the idea of him being a creator. Because huh. he drew this distinction, you know, <laughs> 40 years before John Paul writes about it. And he said, I didn't create. I am sub-creating. I'm taking ideas and experiences that are already created and reforming them, refashioning them into a new world, uh, into the world of Middle Earth. He called it sub-creation. And I think that's pointing to the same distinction here. And it's also pointing to very good advice about all communication and all 
art and all verbal communication too, like we've been talking about in past episodes, that sense of humility that we're dealing with something bigger than ourselves and we shouldn't think of ourselves as the uh, the alpha or the <laughs> omega but right, certainly right. we're not the we're not the alpha point uh where we're dealing with created matter we're we're copying we're learning we're and we and that means we, we, a humility in in the terms of listening and learning the the creative person has to be very good at all of those things yeah observing observing as you say yeah exactly right taking in uh, and this is where you know the idea of you know painters i mean gosh when you go and you look at at water lilies by monet right you know you have to step back and look at it and then you see you know the the luminous quality of what he's painted there well that took that took you know hours days of observation uh, on his part isn't that great? Yeah, and then the technical ability to create the painting you know or or any Seurat painting right which is pointillist you know which is right. oh, my you know, hundreds of thousands of dots yes. that only make sense when you step back and look at them that's and yet right. each yeah. one means something and if it was in a different place it would be a different painting that's right that's right and this actually is what uh, the Holy Father goes on in the next section, the mm-hmm. special vocation of the artist, paragraph two, to say um, – in, in here he talks about this idea of the limitations of media, um, the rules of art that artists have to work within as well. Mm-hmm. He says it's one thing for human beings to be the authors of their own acts with responsibility for their moral value, which is what we all are, right? We all are responsible for our own actions. That's right. Um, it is another to be an artist, able, that is, to respond to the demands of art and faithfully to accept art's specific dictates. Mm. And I think here he's beginning to get at this idea that that even – the artist has to work within the rules, the dictates, the, the, the medium that the artist chooses with its limitations. Yes. Um, but that he goes on to say, but what they choose, the medium that they choose and the method uh, in which they create their art is still an expression of their inner soul, is right. still an expression of who they are as a person in yeah. what they observe and their reflections on, on what they observe and what they are creating reveal something of themselves in the same way that our actions as moral beings reflect the moral being that we are in our soul. Whoa. Yes. Boy, that could open the door to a lot of reflection about current times with a question like, uh, are, have our times become somewhat less creative and perhaps a bit more uh, destructive or at least deconstructionist uh, precisely because we've done away with a lot of the lines, uh, the, the border lines, the 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 friendly walls i think chesterton might say you know uh-huh. the the walls of a playground uh, it was how he described it uh if we're if we're shedding all of those limitations that kind of allow us to gather our thoughts or to gather god's thoughts or whatever then we're not really being creative optimally we may think that we're uh, gee, with, you know, we can 
we can create anything. We can recreate ourselves. We can redefine ourselves. We, uh, we have such amazing power because we've done away with all these walls. But it may be just the opposite of true, authentic uh, creativity or even of craftsmanship. That's an interesting insight. Uh, I don't know if I agree with it. Fair enough. I mean, there's the idea that, that – you know, this is the age of remix, right? Where yes, we t- we yeah, take that's right. All sorts of things, and we and we mash them together in new in new ways, um, and that's certainly creative, you know, because it still expresses a, a message or an idea. That's true. Um, but at the same time, um, if somebody doesn't know all the reference points that you're beginning with, they're going to have a tough time interpreting what message you're trying to send as well. Yes. Yeah, you can't be so deeply rooted in the past and the structures and borderlines that previously existed that you can't – you don't leave yourself room to be new because after all, you know, I make all things new again, said the right, Lord, right? Right, yeah. right. Is that, is that kind of the concern that you feel? I don't uh, know. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Just something I think that, that – good, yeah. good food for thought as all right. of these documents – uh, so it provides. Yeah, so these become we're, well, we're jumping discussing. off points for us too. Uh, exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, I, so in this next section, he talks about the artistic vocation in the service of beauty, um, and um, he really here uh, kind of the, the the point is that uh, those who perceive in themselves a kind of divine spark, which is the artistic vocation, as poet, writer, sculptor, architect, musician, actor, and so on, feel at the same time the obligation not to waste this talent, but to develop it in order to put it at the service of their neighbor and of humanity Mm. as a whole. Mm. You know, and you hear artists say, I have to be true to my art. Right. You know, and and, um, I remember famously the idea uh, uh, they were – I think photographing um, Jackson Pollock in his studio, yeah, and um, and the photographer and the photographer asked him. I said, "Okay, can you uh, splash, you know, a little over there?" And and Pollock said, "No, this this piece is done." And and of course, from the photographer's perspective, he's like, "Well, this is just a bunch of splashes of art, mm. you know." But to him, to the artist himself, his work was complete. Yeah, and. To do anything else to it would be to change what his artistic vision was. Right. And so that was the idea of being true to the artist and true to the work of art that he was working to create. Now, for us who are outside, it's kind of hard to understand as you look at, at a, at a, you know, a Jackson Pollock piece, you may be thoroughly confused and be like, how could one more drop change this in any way? And I don't want to say that. I'm not saying that as a critic. Right. Uh, I'm saying that just as I don't understand necessarily. Right. What his artistic vision was. Right, right, right. Which comes back to something you were saying earlier. I mean, kind of in a way, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, the, 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 I think just the message uh, of, of the church about respecting in all communication the dignity of the individual mm-hmm. means that we have to respect and be attentive to that individual's communication of exactly how uh, the Spirit is speaking through and communicating through that person and through that person's particular unique talent and vision. Everybody is so unique. 
and we have to respect the communication of that uniqueness. And uh, coming back again to my proclivities as a, a writer, uh, so much of writing today is is cliché and talking points and pre-manufactured in order to manipulate and all. And uh, that is just not what communication should be. And of course, it, uh, yes, it shows itself uh, terribly when, when uh, uh, things that are meant to be of soaring beauty, like uh, a piece of art or uh, uh, church architecture or, or a, a great symphony or whatever, you have to uh, just be in awe yeah. Of uh, uh, you have to be an attentive listener to how the spirit is speaking uniquely through that person. Yeah, out of those people but, who are cooperating. Right. With the spirit. Yeah. 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 The craftspeople. The craftspeople. Right. Exactly. Um, society needs artists. Absolutely. I mean, this is the. This is how he leads off section four. Society needs artists. And he goes on to say, obedient to their inspiration in creating works, both worthwhile and beautiful. So as you said, the artist themselves is, be, is attentive to the spirit, their inspiration. Um, they not only enrich the cultural heritage of each nation and of all humanity, but they also render an exceptional social service in favor of the common good. Uh-huh. Right? Our artists do reflect who we are as a people. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes they're at the fringe of that. Of right. That society, but that they are too. they are either pulling or pushing from their edges, from from where they are. Yes. Yes. The and the only uh, uh, the only danger uh, uh, to being out there on the edges is what we described earlier. Uh, the danger of a deconstructionist disrespect for those necessary lines that give some sense of shape and ultimate purpose to and cohesion yeah. to the the creative work being done but you're absolutely right thank god our our artists are out there uh, challenging us because we need to, we need to be aware of the margins. That's certainly something that Pope Francis would remind us of yeah, all the time, going out to the margins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, next couple sections in this are really interesting because uh, uh, John Paul talks about art and the through Christian history. Mm. And he begins with saying, you know, even the incarnation itself, uh, Christ becoming flesh. Um, and the earliest ages of the church, sometimes art was a way to express the stories right. in an age when people couldn't read, uh, when, you know, before publishing, uh, to, to even have a book was, uh, was a labor intensive and it was out of the reach of, of most of society. And it was almost impossible to be on the New York Times bestseller list. It was at very, that time. very, very difficult. difficult. Yeah. So it was dominated really by just, uh, you know, Isaiah and, uh, <laughs> Tobit unfortunately didn't get a lot of love. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. I, I know I've talked about that being my favorite book. <laughs> but, uh, but John Paul talks about in times when few could read or write, representations of the Bible were a concrete mode of catechesis. Indeed. Uh, but for everyone, believers or not, works of art inspired by scripture remain a reflection of the unfathomable mystery which engulfs and inhabits the world mm, mm -hmm. you know? beautiful and, and that remains true to this day even the art of of mark chagall you know his his uh, beautiful stained glass windows or or um i could think of 
of you know of course you know all the all the history of time he john paul even kind of talks about this he talks about the early church he talks about writing from he said writing where i am here in the apostolic palace of vatican city right he says honestly i'm surrounded by michelangelo uh, and Raphael uh, and yeah. you know and and uh, all of the great you know carla moderno and and all of the great um uh, architects who were involved in saint peter's basilica and things like this and he's like these things speak for themselves i don't need to say anything uh, well other said, than just yeah. name them Indeed. and and immediately yeah. we know um bramante bernini borromini you know all of these these people he talks about um you know from the creation to the last judgment in the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo, Michelangelo gave a face to God the Father, to Christ the Judge, and to man on his arduous journey from the dawn to the consummation of history. Wow. You know? I mean, and this is the idea that, that, um, not just in representational art too, but in the Middle Ages we had the idea of, uh, the age of, great age of faith where we had, um, you know, theology producing the Summa by St. Thomas. Right. You've got, um, the beginnings of Gothic cathedrals, you know, the, the Gothic, you know, Notre Dame and Chartres and Salisbury Cathedral, all of these beautiful, beautiful buildings. We've got the poet Dante Alighieri, you know, yeah. giving us the divine comedy, which even Dante said he referred to as the sacred poem to which both heaven and earth have turned their hand. Oh my. Yeah. I mean, this is artists who are, who are aware of the age, reflecting right. the age, and forming the age in which they are. Right. So again, contributing to the common good, challenging the common good, right. and then giving future generations a touchstone to look back and say, this is the height to which we have already risen and which we continue to build upon. Yes. Yeah. It is past, present, and future. And come to think of it, that's probably a big reason why the church uh, pays so much attention to communication uh, as we saw in Intermerifica, the uh, the Vatican II document. It realizes that the power of communication is very potent not only for the moment in time when it's going on, mm -hmm. but it's it potentially timeless or at least it's going to have ripple effects that need to be consciously thought out because as we've said about intermerifica there's that consciousness of the context you know it's not just about the work of art or the or the words said it's about the effect of those words or images on people and it it's it's really a a ripple in a in a pond and yeah. so communication is a is serious business but the beauty of great artistic communication is, uh, that also reminds us that it's a heck of a lot of fun and it's uplifting and right it can brighten our day it's meant to brighten our day yeah or terrify us. You're right. Kind of wake us up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Read Dante's Inferno and don't uh, tell me that you're not you're not scared straight. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> Good know? point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There is so much more here in this letter, um, and really, John Paul is challenging and inviting. Uh, he issues essentially what he calls an appeal to artists to be true to their artistic inspiration, but then also to to say the church needs you. Right. And really, he says also, artists, you you may kind oh, of need us, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, he says uh, in section 13, 
Artists are constantly in search of the hidden meaning of things, and their torment is to succeed in expressing the world of the ineffable. There's that yeah. word. How then can we fail to see what a great source of inspiration is offered by that kind of homeland of the soul that is religion? Mm. Is it not perhaps within the realm of religion that the most vital personal questions are posed and answers both concrete and definitive are sought? Wow. This is a provocative question to say, do, do artists need the church? He says, but we have something to offer as well. Yeah. And it is that, that ongoing reflection on the ineffable, yes. on that which – the mystery. The mystery, exactly. Yeah. yeah, mystery and ineffable are two words that appear throughout this and uh, doubtlessly in, in so many uh, church documents. That's kind of the uh, wheelhouse, as it were, or yeah. one of the wheelhouses. Uh, of the of the church, and it's the wheelhouse of of art of good art, and so there is a real compatibility there. And artists, in any uh, misguided attempt to be overly uh, deconstructionistic, if that's a word, uh, they're they're risking kind of uh, veering off uh, into uncharted uh, territory. And I think that's why. Intermerifica urged every year going back to the World Communications Day messages and doing a, a regular reassessment yeah. on behalf of society as a whole, uh, the, the global con, uh, consumers of, uh, of media as well as at the local level. Both are important and we, uh, we dare not let it just kind of go off out of control. Right, right. There's this idea, uh, finally, and, and, you know, we, in our last few moments together, I mean, um, what John Paul is calling for is, is a, a renewed relationship and yeah. a renewed kind of partnership between the two. And he, he says, um, in kind of quoting actually the message that, uh, Pope Paul VI, uh, kind of gave when he met with, uh, artists during the Second Vatican Council. Yeah. Um, what John Paul says is, from such cooperation, the church hopes for a renewed epiphany of beauty mm. in our time and apt responses to the particular needs of the Christian community. Ah. This idea of the epiphany of beauty. I like that. I think is yeah. a great kind of, kind of reflection on what artists do. They yes. reveal beauty to us, yes. um, as well as uh, it, it shows. You know, the epiphany is the great manifestation of Christ's um, existence yes. and, and, and yeah. the, the beginning of the, the story of salvation in the incarnation. And that's really what artists do is they, they make incarnate the, the beauty that they see in their singular vision yes. uh, and they begin to reveal it to us. And, and so I think that's, that's a wonderful goal. It is a wonderful goal. And uh, to the degree that it's uh, done well, and often it is, uh, industries like Hollywood, uh, we, we need to salute them for just the amazing uh, films that they turn out in terms of uh, special effects that give us that sense of wonder, mm -hmm. uh, provided it's not some kind of uh, over-secularization of wonder such that, hey, it's just uh, us humans uh, Wondering remarking. why they did that. Yeah. How great. Boy, we're cool. Huh. You know, if we, can, if we can keep rekindling that sense of wonder in all of us and uh, not, not lose it uh, uh, and become just uh, uh, trivial, uh, trivial uh, beings – uh, in an unwonderful world, uh, uh, that that's that's a real service that that 
I can't, I don't, I don't think I've ever thought of Hollywood providing a, a service in, in this sense. But, uh, yeah, there, I, I've said it. There I, it is. I, I'm going to stick You said stick it. With, now yeah, you got to stick with that's it. That's right. <laughs> well, Bill, thanks for a great conversation. Oh, again. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Ken. Always a pleasure. You're a true artist of the microphone. Oh, my gracious. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I will, uh, 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 could, I will try to come back and paint another uh, picture of something. Uh, maybe just stick figures next time. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this week's chat. You can subscribe to hear future episodes at our website, EncounterPoints.com. Our theme music is Leaves by Airtone, licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We hope to encounter you in the next episode of Encounter Points. Encounter Points.